Our mission statement is that we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. Would you guys uh, pray with me? God, I pray that you would move this Sunday morning. Father, I pray for those that walked into this place with the enemy roaring loudly in their lives. Would you roar louder today, right here and right now? In your name, Jesus, amen. amen. <laughs> our mission statement, like I said, is that we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ, but relentlessly loving our community. You know what that means is that we want to go to other communities. You know what that means is that we want to, that we want to start uh, a few campuses. The reason we want to start a few campuses is because there's maybe like 18 or 20 key leaders here on a Sunday morning, and, but we have this vision of being part of planting maybe hundreds to maybe thousands of churches. And so if someone came to us right now saying, hey, I want to start a church through you guys, we're like, well, you have 18 leaders to pick from. And, but so a campus would help us to raise up more leaders to give a church planter more, more people to, to pick from. And so, so if that's our mindset, if that's how we're looking to build God's church by, by, by not building this into a mega church, by, by, by opening up campuses and sending out other, other church planters, opening up other churches, then you know what that means? That means Ryan, a 15-year-old leading a song for worship, isn't competition to Carly. That means it's his kingdom come build the church. When Gianna leads that song, that fight song, it means that Gianna isn't competition to Carly. It means your kingdom come build your church. It means that it means when, when Jordan or Graham or, or uh, Josh are preaching on a Sunday morning or Monday night, you know what that means? They're not competition to me. It means that when you guys go on onto social media and say, Jordan, Graham, whomever, Josh, they crushed it. It's not me sitting back being like, I wonder if I still have a job. <laughs> it's me saying, build your kingdom. They are not competition. They are going to be people that in the years are going to be used mightily by God to continue to build his church. But when we feel attacked as a church or when I feel attacked as an individual, you know what happens? Life all of a sudden becomes all about me. All of a sudden it's my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom. No, it's not my kingdom come, it's his kingdom come. And can't that happen when you and I feel attacked on an individual level? On an individual level, we can be all on board. We can be the mission of God. We can be like, God, I'm giving you everything. But then all of a sudden, I face an attack. And now it's all about me. Now it's all about my situation. Now it's all about my circumstances. And we lose sight of the greater mission and the greater purpose. We lose sight of how to battle forward, how to move forward and fight the enemy that is very real, the dark side that is real in our lives. So what I want to look at today is that we need to battle well. We need to know how to battle. We need to battle forward. We need to fight not in our ways, but we need to fight in his ways that he's established for us. We can join in the battle or we can run from the battle. Can you guys do me a favor? Can you stand for me? I want to read you a passage from 1 Peter chapter 5. As I read God's word, uh, follow along with me. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with what? Humility towards uh, one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty, mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him. Why? 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 Because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a, luring, uh, like, a, like a roaring kitty cat. No, no, no. Like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
resting, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his, his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him, to him, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. God, whatever you need to do in this service, Father, whatever you need to do in this experience, however you need to speak to people in this room, would you speak? Father, would you take this sinner turned saint by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, would you put him aside? And would you speak now? Would you roar louder now? Jesus, amen. You guys can have a seat. The big thought for us this morning, what I think Peter is driving at is that the good Lord left a good plan to address. That as we experience attacks, as we experience battles, the good Lord in his goodness left us a good plan to address the battle. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 11, Peter gives us five aspects to this good plan as we fight the dark side, as we fight the evil one. The first part about the good Lord leaving us a good plan to address is that the good plan addresses the psychological, the mind. He, he says this, he, he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand, not the weak hand, not the feeble hand, the mighty, mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Don't we want that in life? Don't we want to be, if we're, we won't say it out loud, some of us. But we want to be exalted. We want to be praised. And if we do it God's ways, he will exalt us in his timing. Casting all of your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. There's two battles of the mind that Peter is addressing right here at the very beginning. Pride and anxiety. He's talking to, to younger people who, who don't want to submit themselves to authority. Have you ever seen that with younger people? But he's saying, if, if you want to be a leader worth following, you should be a humble person. Because pride is the root of all evil. Wasn't it pride that got the dark side thrown out of heaven? And now it's pride that he wants us to give in to. It's the battle of the mind that says, my poo don't stink. Yes, your poo stinks just like the person next to you. But in our pride, we think, no, no, no. I've got this in my mind. It can be all about me. No, the humble person will accept whatever comes his or her way, even when the road is bumpy. And then we cast all of our security on the one. We cast all of our anxiety on the one. We throw ourselves at God knowing that we are weak. But what do we know about God? We know that he deep down cares for us. I'm not throwing myself at the enemy who cares nothing for me. I'm throwing myself at the God of this universe who cares about me. So Monday, I wake up. I see emails that are all sorts of encouraging. I get emails circulating around the staff and the elders. Everything is encouraging. Everything is so positive. And you know what I was feeling? Depressed. All Monday, I was fighting this feeling of depression. All Monday, I was fighting the battle of my mind. And, and when I was looking at my life, saying, I have nothing to be depressed about, but I feel depressed, you know what word I started having to call my situation? Oppression. And no, no wonder as we, as we talk about the dark side, as we talk about the evil one, that he might bring the feeling of oppression. I have nothing to feel down about, but I feel that way. So the enemy is oppressing me in this moment. I had to go and say, I am weak. 
So I emailed the staff and the elders saying, I don't feel like going to Monday night. I don't feel like preaching. I don't have it. Will you guys pray for me? I'm not an anxious person, but I work an anxious job. And so sometimes there is this feeling of weaknesses that, that, that overpowers me. And it's, and it's saying before the people that I lead with saying, I don't have it. Will you pray for me to make Jesus Christ the focus in my life and make Jesus Christ the focus in our, in our church? So where does this, how does this play out, the, this pride and anxiety? I, I kind of envision like a scene like Gladiator or Braveheart from back in the day, like these, these battle scenes. I kind of envision somebody sitting in a tent and, and sitting on their cot, ready to go out and to fight. But, but they're trying to talk themselves up. I got this. I'm, I'm the gladiator. I'm, I'm, I'm the braveheart. I, I'm, I'm Mel Gibson. I, I have all the muscles. I, I, they're talking themselves up, talking themselves up. And then all of a sudden, they burst out of the tent, onto the battlefield, and they die. Because they thought they were a big deal, and all of a sudden, they weren't such a big deal. Or that person sitting, sitting in a tent. <laughs> With the paper bag. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. All the anxieties of the battle. And eventually they either go out to the battlefield, but they feel like they can't do it, and so they die. Or they stay, they stay in the tent, and they never go to the battlefield. The dark side, whether it's through pride or through anxiety, doesn't want you on the battlefield. And, if, and through pride or anxiety, if you get to the battlefield, he, want, he wants to destroy you on the battlefield. So what do, what do the humble people do? They, they address this by, by saying, you know what? In my mind, I'm going to give this all to Jesus Christ. I'm going to make him the focal point of all my thinking as I address the plan that God has put before us. So the good Lord left, left us a good, a good plan. We're going to address uh, the psychological, but then we're also going to address the demeanor, our demeanor before God, how, how we go about this. He continues on by saying, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So why be alert? Why be sober-minded? Remember, there is a very real enemy not looking to kiss you, not looking to lick you. <laughs> Not looking to cuddle up with you. Yes, your cuddle buddy might be the evil one in disguise, but he's not looking to cuddle you to Jesus. He's looking to devour you. And so our demeanor can go to one of two extremes. Our demeanor can go to the, the extreme of, of attributing too little power to the evil one or attributing too much power to the evil one. Uh, you know what that means? It means that, that we, might, we might become uh, over, over, uh, overconfident. Oh, he's got nothing on me. Or we might lack preparation saying, oh, man, I, 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 I got either way. We, we, can, we can give him too much credit or too little credit. Yes, he's a defeated enemy. But he's trying to take us with him. And so we must be aware. He's one that prays with an E. And we must be people that pray with an A. He will pounce when we least expect it. When we're not looking for him, he will pounce. So where is the dark side right now looking to pounce on you? Maybe your demeanor is such. Where is he looking to pounce? Where are you about to make a bad decision? You know where my, when my demeanor starts to shift and I feel like the enemy is about to, in my demeanor, pounce on me? It's when I'm making decision after decision after decision after decision. It, it's what do I wear when I wake up? What are my kids going to wear and how are they going to fight me when, when I pick out their clothing? It's, it's what am I going to eat for breakfast and what's going to get my kids not to fight me on what they're going to eat for breakfast? It's, it's what car, am I going to take the van or am I going to take the Corolla? It's, it's, it's like every decision. And then I actually get to work and I have to look at an email. I have to make a decision about this, a decision about this, a decision about the decision. 
And by the end of the day, I've made 50,000 decisions that take brain power. And you know what I get to my end of my day? Decision fatigue. I don't feel like making any more decisions. And so I back up, and the enemy can have a field day on me when I just want to give up. And so I have to look back and say, you know what? Carly can make that decision. I don't need to be involved. Jordan can make that decision. I don't need to be involved. Graham can make this decision. I don't need to be involved. Jill, and all of a sudden I can step back and be like, I don't have to be involved. And so I can protect myself from decision fatigue where I know that in my life the evil one is able to take me out when those things come. So what is your demeanor right now? Where, are you might, where might you be on the cuffs of making a bad decision? Is it because you're in a season of transition? Your life is all kind of unsettled and sometimes, you know what, that's not the best platform to make a major decision. Sometimes it's in our hurt. Sometimes we've been so hurt and wounded by another church. Hurt and wounded by, by other people. Hurt and wounded by, by, by our job. Hurt and wounded sometimes isn't the best platform to make a decision. In loneliness, I feel so lonely in life right now. No one is speaking into my life. I'm not allowing other people into my sphere of influence. Is that the best place to make a decision? Or could the enemy take you out in that place? Or I have a major decision before me. Who cares about my side piece on the side? <laughs> I have a major decision before me. Who cares about the money that I'm robbing from over here? I have a major decision before me, and there's sin that is engulfing me. Is that the best platform to make, then, a decision? And so he addresses this. The good Lord uh, uh, leaves, uh, helps us to address the, the plan that he has left for us. Uh, how did I say? The good Lord left a good plan to address. Uh, we address the psychological, the demeanor, and then the attack. Resist him. Resist him. Firm in your faith. That you and I stand firm on the blood of Jesus Christ. That we have faith in Jesus. That he has overcome the dark side and he gives us life. So what is, what are, what, how do we attack? We attack by being wholly dependent upon Jesus Christ. Not my ability. Not your ability. The ability of the one who has already overcome. But you know what he does? He, he, he circulates doubt in. Does God really have this? Did God really say? Can, can God really overcome this? Is, is God really uh, greater in you than, than the one that is in the world? Is that really, really true? And so when doubt starts to enter into my mind, I don't want to go on the attack. I want to sit in my doubt. And so what kept me out of the fight, what kept me from going on the attack was the doubt of my past life. The doubt of all the sin, 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 sin. You can think with me. Episodes of sin in your own life and how you start doubting. God, can you use me? God, do you even want to use me? God, why would you use me? God, for, for me personally, I was D's get degrees. God, I am not qualified to lead a church or talk theology with anybody. Doubt, doubt, doubt. Doubt. What? To keep us off the battlefield. To keep us from going on mission. He loves speaking doubt. You and I all walked in with the past. Are you choosing not to be on mission for Jesus Christ? For Jesus Christ because of the doubt that you have over your past. Failure in the past does not nullify purpose in the future. Failure in the past does not nullify purpose in the future. The person writing this, Peter, guess what? He literally had three strikes. 
The night that Jesus was arrested, he denied Christ three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And what happened after the third time? The rooster got to clucking, and Jesus looked at Peter through the courtyard, and they made eye contact. Can you feel that guilt? I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. And then you're looking at Jesus. God has a way of bringing beauty out of ashes. God has a way of bringing what was dead in the past and bringing life to it. God has a way of restoring what the locust has eaten. When I, when I look through, when I look through Scripture, is He's not looking for the people that with a with a great old resume. David murdered somebody and had an affair. Uh, Noah did the whole thing with the boat and the, and the flood and everything and then got drunk and knew all sorts of nakedness. Moses, hey, let my people go. But you know what? He battled with God with doubt. I don't know if I can. I'm tongue-tied. I'm this, that, the other thing. No, God, use Aaron. Rahab, in the family line of Jesus, was a prostitute. My God specializes in bringing beauty out of ashes, bringing new life to what was dead. And so where you are broken and where you feel weak, my God wants to bring his strength, not your strength, his strength, his strength, his strength. Perhaps what Satan is yelling about your past is the greatest platform that God can use to build your future. And so a good plan, the good Lord left a good plan for us to address. We're going to address the psychological, the demeanor, the attack, and now the motivation. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The whole world. That, that when I wake up today, I'm not the only pastor struggling through a sermon. I'm not the only pastor struggling with the mental. And guess what? I'm not the only one struggling for the gospel. But there are men and women around the world that won't wake up tomorrow because they die for the name of Jesus today. It puts it into the light. It should motivate me to, to go forward. And when I, when I think about my brothers and sisters around the world, brothers and sisters doing far more for the gospel with far less than I have, it should motivate me to do more. It should motivate me to keep fighting. It should motivate me to look around me and fight together. My brothers and sisters around the world, we are all on the front line for the sake of the gospel. God did not die, rise again to give us life so that we could then be lone rangers throughout this world. He gave us the church to motivate and to encourage one another. But we want to be lone rangers. Satan tries to separate us from the body of Christ and and he has a field day on us when that happens. There will be some that will watch this service online. Why are they watching online? Because they think if they walk through the door, the church is going to burn down. No, the youth group will burn down their church before you do. Get in here. <laughs> but in our brokenness, we want to think that it's better to watch behind the screen than be here in the community. The laughter that we just felt was a good thing, wasn't it? They're not going to feel that behind the screen. They're not going to be encouraged with that. They're not going to get the same jolly that we just got. And so we hide behind a screen when God wants us here in community fighting against loneliness. The, the dark side want us to fight, wants us to fight this life in loneliness. When, when we feel lonely, everything here feels eternal. 
our value of an all-inclusive gospel message means that we're not going to nitpick sin. We're going to see sin, all sin, put Jesus on the cross. And so what that means is that we're not going to say, oh, we'll bring Jesus to this community, but not that community. This community, but not that community. No, we're going to look at an all-inclusive gospel message and say, we're going to bring Jesus everywhere. That the gospel is for everyone. That the gospel is going to be brought by all people that call on the name of Jesus. It's for all, by all, to all. That is our mission. But we're not meant to do it as a lonely people. We're meant to do that together. We're meant to suffer together. We're, we're meant to labor together on mission. We're meant to serve this mission together, to worship together, to cry together, to laugh together. I've never heard anybody that's actively involved in a life group say, I feel so lonely. So if you walked into this room feeling so lonely, are you running from your life group? If you walked in this room feeling lonely and like God doesn't have a purpose or a plan for you, are you not in a life group at all? I want to encourage you, get in a life group. Get to know people that are going to surround you and say, and, and, and fight that feeling of loneliness. And when you surround yourself with other believers, that will help motivate us onto the mission field. So the good Lord left a good plan for us to address the psychological, the demeanor, the attack, the motivation, and then the timetable. After you have suffered a little while, Peter, Peter will say, that when you're in the midst of the attack, it, it feels like it's, it's just a little bit of a, a little while, but when you're in the midst of it, it feels like eternity, doesn't it? If you walked in here under attack, it feels like it, it, maybe it's only been three days, but it feels like forever, doesn't it? But if we step back, we know life is temporary. Ergo, the suffering that we are experiencing is then temporary. And why do we suffer? We suffer ultimately to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Let me remind you about Joseph from the Old Testament. Not Joseph, New Testament. Joseph, Old Testament. It gets confusing sometimes. Uh, Joseph in the Old Testament uh, had, a, had a handful of brothers. And if you're a sibling in the room, you know that sometimes there's conflict with siblings. But your life isn't as bad as this, as Joseph's life. Joseph's parent, uh, his family got a little bit jealous. And Joseph kind of leaned into that. And he got himself thrown into a pit. They took his coat. They ripped it all up, put blood on it from an animal, sold Joseph into slavery, uh, and, and then went home to daddy and said he must have been killed by an animal. So you're, you're, you're fighting with your siblings? I don't think it's that bad. And so he, he goes, he, he ends up in, in Egypt, and he's, he's purchased by a man named Potiphar, who's kind of like mid-level leadership in the nation of, of Egypt. And he's there, and, and Potiphar's wife is, she's a little loosey-goosey, and she's like, ooh, me like Joseph. Joseph, let's knock boots. And, and Joseph's like, no, I love the Lord. I can't knock boots with you. No, no, no. And he runs away. Uh, and so when he runs away, she gets his coat. And then she yells, like, all sorts of things, like, oh, he did this to me. Blah, 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 blah. And so Potiphar throws him into jail. He's in jail. Years upon years upon years. He finally interprets a dream, a dream for other people in his, in his cell. He's supposed to be let out soon thereafter. He, he tells them, like, you know, you, give me give, give, give a word to the king for me. And they don't. They forget. One of them dies, and one of them is actually before the king. And he forgets three more years. He's in the jail. All of a sudden, he wakes up one morning in a jail cell. He then is taken out of the jail cell and put before the king of the most powerful nation of all, all the land. <laughs> he wakes up in the jail cell, meets with the king, interprets a dream, gives all glory and honor to, Jesus, to God. And by the end of the day, he is second in command of the most powerful nation on earth, only second to the king himself. The jail cell was necessary for God to accomplish what God needed to accomplish. 
what you're going through right now, Satan wants to, the dark side wants to take you out of the fight. Perhaps what you're going through right now is the very thing that is going to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Maybe the thing that you're going through right now is what God needs to do to accomplish what God needs to accomplish. But we lose that perspective. So I want to encourage you again, get into a life group so that you can talk to others and, and to gain that, that perspective and to gain like the, that maybe this is temporary or maybe to gain the perspective that, man, I have, I have been in that jail cell just like you and here's what God did in my life. Here's what God showed me through that season. I've lost a loved one like you have lost a loved one. Let me show you what I have learned. Let me, let me, let me cry with you because I know that pain. I have experienced divorce. I have experienced loss. I experienced a loss of a job. I, and all of a sudden we surround ourselves with people that, that we gain perspective through the matters that the dark side wants to take us out with. And so the final thing, the good Lord leaves a good plan for us to address. It addresses the psychological, uh, the demeanor, the attack, the motivation, the timetable, and lastly, the end result to God, the God of all grace that he has called us to his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. No one under attack feels like that is possible until God meets us in that place. To him be all dominion forever and ever. Amen. Where you feel you walked in here under attack by the dark side. It doesn't feel like God is active, but he was active in that jail cell, and Joseph saw it when he, when he looks back on it. Joseph was restored. He was strengthened. He was confirmed. He was established. That is possible in your life. That is the end result for you and I to bring glory, honor, and praise to God Almighty. The suffering that we experience is temporary, but God's rewards are eternal. The dark side uses discouragement to take us out of the fight. My Jesus encourages us to stay in the fight, to fight, and to fight through whatever is going on. So I wake up, uh, uh, I'm having that rough day. When I'm having a rough day, yes, I can get encouraging notes. And, I, and maybe some of the people in this room have sent me an encouraging note, and you've, gotten, and you've heard my response. I'm saving this to read later. That's, that's true. I have a folder marked encouragement that I save all these notes because sometimes like, people can be mean and nasty, whether on social media or somebody, somebody leaves like, almost on a weekly basis like a, a love note in our offering box, uh, but they never sign their name. And so we have a policy if you want to say something mean about us but you don't want to sign your name. Uh, we just kind of go Nancy Pelosi on those notes. And, <laughs> and <laughs> Uh, too, too soon, uh, so um, just, just kidding, but seriously, if that's you, if that's you dropping that note, I want to I recommend other churches for you, but anyways, uh, there's sometimes that we get this discouragement, and so there was a, a handful of months ago that I got this really discouraging email, and I, and I was kind of living in discouragement, and so I was driving, I handed Ava my phone, and I said, hey, pull up, uh, pull up the encouragement email, and just start reading some of the encouragement that we've gotten over the years, and it was, it was amazing, as as I, as I was, I had this hardship in front of me in my mind, it was amazing how I started reading the encouragement, 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 and how the thing that was before me felt endless, but all of a sudden wasn't. All of a sudden it was the encouragement that helped get me back into the fight. Because when we are discouraged, it can feel hopeless, hopeless, and endless, but God, through encouragement, helps us to, to push forward. Peter is writing this from a Roman jail cell. He could, have, he could have been all about his own stuff, but he chooses to take the time to write to others to encourage them with a little encouraging note. So who right now do you need to drop a DM to? 
Who right now do you need to shoot a text to? Who right now that if encouragement came from you, you would literally blow their mind? Perhaps God is saying to you right here and right now, send them that note of encouragement to keep them in the fight. Here's what we said this morning, that the good Lord has left a good plan for us to address. The psychological demeanor, the attack, the motivation, the timetable, and the end result So what should you do now? You should address the plan. What should you do now? You should not sleep on the enemy. You should fight. Should you fight alone? No, you don't fight alone. I fight, you fight, we fight. We fight the enemy together. We protect one another. And when one of us is on the front lines, we realize that we are on the front lines together. When one of us is wounded, we realize that we have been wounded together and we will will help the wounded. Here's, here's, here's the actual stuff that I want us to take right here right now. Joshua, before he takes Jericho, Joshua is an Old Testament leader. He's promised the promised land. They go to the promised land. The first city they go to is Jericho with a whole bunch of walls. They, they circulate around it. And on the seventh day, here's what he says in verse 16. He says, when the priests have blown the trumpets, Joshua says to the people, shout, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Shout in victory. Victory is yours. The walls maybe haven't fallen down yet, but here's what I want you to do. Shout in victory. Shout in victory. Roar, 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 just like Katy Perry. I'm dancing, and Jay's like, oh, easy, white boy. I'm like, okay. Only at Wellspring. Uh, We need to roar, and we need to laugh. Scientist Von Muggenhaler, I don't know, it's German, whatever, I don't know how to pronounce it, says the point of the roar is to strike fear and to paralyze the enemy. Why does a lion roar? He roars so that you're in fear of the roar. You get stiff and paralyzed. What happens when you're stiff? And paralyzed, you're easy prey. Mark Batterson says uh, in his book called Chase the Lion, I recommend this book, he says, the lion's roar is meant to communicate dominance, to assure, assert its authority in a territory. And the one thing that will silence a lion's roar is the roar of a more powerful lion. Satan may roar at you, but he can't touch you. He is the one in the cage. You are the one that is free. So we're going to sing one more song. There's going to be an instrumental in in, in the middle of it. Here's my challenge to you right here and right now. Roar louder than the enemy. Shout, shout, shout. Where the enemy has been roaring in your life, keeping you on the sidelines. Where the dark side is gaining victory in your life right now. No! It is time to roar praises. Where you walk, when you drove in here, thinking, my car sucks, my life sucks. Maybe it's time during that instrumental to say, God, I thank you, I got wheels. Maybe it's time that the divorce that you're going through, yes, it is the literal worst. God, I'm going to shout thank you that I still got my kids. God, I'm going to thank you that, that you know what? Yes, there's a leak in my roof right now. I feel like the world is caving down on me. But I still got a roof. 
The enemy is roaring about my past, roaring about that church conflict, roaring about that, that, that thing from my childhood that happened in a church. God, I'm going to thank you for here and now. I'm going to worship you for the here and the now. I'm going to roar in praise and silence my enemy. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.